into the ground. We're back. Another week. Maybe a you, kind of a bonus you episode, almost, would you say? You almost just said another guest. <laughs> almost. I just want to point out. I mean, uh, we are recording three podcasts in two days, so so a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> We're, we recorded one earlier today. This one's going to come out before all of them. Uh, we're, we're in peak podcast performance mode, I think. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I'd say <laughs> we're trying to practice to make perfect. Sure. We're, we're, we're imperfect people. You Can know. I make a comment about, uh, our, I'm not going to say who we talked to today, but daytime recording during the day is such a different vibe. Like, uh, why do you say that? I mean, I did not have a drink. I'm also, I was like, <laughs> I think that makes it. I was un, I was unbelievably hungover still, but um, I, you know, I had a coffee and like, and like a Lacroix. You know what I mean? Like it was oh, lovely. Yeah. I mean, I had a. Now I'm I'm into other substances that are, you know. So get ready for that steep decline. No. The, get ready uh, for introspection. Uh, yeah, I had um. We got one of those like semi cheap espresso machines for free on one of those like buy nothing groups. Mm-hmm. So we've been making semi cheap espresso in the house. And what uh, do you mean by semi cheap? Can you explain that? Uh, it's like one of those like hundred and fifty dollar DeLonghi like espresso. Like it's got a it's got a pressurized um, portafilter. That kind really? of espresso machine. Yeah. It's like sixteen bars or some some shit like a rap song. Sixteen. It's got sixteen, 16 bars like a rap way, song. <laughs> sixteen is way too much. Well, it's it's. Uh, are we it's really gonna get like coffee science right now? No, but I'm just saying. No, sixteen well, the, bars would not be good. The reason they do it is so you don't need like a huge pressure chamber like on a standard, you know, like tens of thousand dollars machine. Oh, right. And also, so it can handle grounds that aren't perfect like you would need in like a high performance machine like i actually got coffee that was espresso ground and it's too fine for the machine mm. it's meant for like grocery store commercially ground coffee interesting so i think next time i'm just gonna get a ground for aeropress and it should be better my my roommate buys like cafe Bastello stuff and with mm, a tamp mm, it's actually mm. pretty good it doesn't taste good, but it, it has like a proper, you know, crema and, mm-hmm. and proper extraction. So I'm going to try to go for that. Mm. But yeah, uh, but it's been nice. I've been making some uh, my espresso tonics at home, which has been mm-hmm. which has been nice. Instead of going to the I, place um, that always overfills and then I spill it on my mm-hmm. white shirt. So I'm thinking about getting one of those Bialettis. The uh, stovetop espresso. Oh, like a classic old little, Italian like, lady ones. Yeah. Hell yeah um i've never i've never i've never used one it's it's like the one coffee item that i've has eluded me in I've, the past i've heard decades. that people who have them actually say it's like some of their favorite ways to drink coffee there's a there's a lot of people who are very very big fans yeah so i want to like excited. i want to get one of those and then you like cook it down until like a like a syrup and that make like terrible no like a cafe con leche style like colombian coffee where it's like you pour it into cream and it it's kind of like a thick dark coffee mm. and you almost like i don't know it's like it's it's like thicker than normal coffee sounds it's really terrible. good though yeah they use like condensed None milk me, too thanks. i don't know i was reminded recently that i had a uh, turkish coffee in turkey 
and uh that was also very 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 bad but really? i was happy to have had it yeah yeah it's no good i mean it's just not a way i enjoy coffee brings yeah. out the wrong stuff to me i get that yeah the uh yeah i don't know it's it's nice to have a little uh, like it's good it's got the steamer wand but it like doesn't really do anything except like right. heat the milk up and it's like hard to clean you know very hard to clean although but, uh, i think with those you should be able to just take that whole assembly off but yeah but that's also like a pain in the ass too i tried to clean it like you would ass. at a cafe by like wrapping the rag around it and i like burnt my mm-hmm. hand yeah, you don't <laughs> want to do that i tried that, to be cool it's like a huge part of my life i think about like steam wand burns like steam wand burns burns in general were an issue for half my life because oh well steam a steam burn is actually like one of the worst burns you can have because it actually gets under the layers of your skin Uh, it like permeates through the pores in your hand like that's what they say if you ever i learned this in like home ec in middle school is mm -hmm. if you get uh if you like get a oven mitt wet and then you like use it it'll like you know stick your hand in the oven with an oven mitt it sends that steam directly into the pores in your hand and you have like a subdermal burn Mm. yeah bad news um my oven mitts last for i don't know weeks now um (laughs) wait why are you going through oven mitts my cat likes to chew through the thumbs and so why don't you like keep the oven mitts in like in a drawer look man uh, i try i really do there's a drawer that they go in they make it in 40% of the time. <laughs> My house is chaos, you have to understand. It, it really, I'm worried about you. It should be. I'm worried <laughs> about me. Um, yeah. Speaking of being worried about each other, how emo would you say you are, Daniel? Me? Like yeah. on, a, on, a, on a, like a current level or like a lifetime level? No, I'm saying, yeah, like how emo are you? You know, it would depend on who you asked, I guess. I would, I would, it was the defining characteristic of my uh, high school life, I would say. Mm, you know, I, I think um, that was like what I projected to, towards, maybe not seen as, but I was very much like, I even tried to dress emo in high school, you know, like I mm. was like watching the dashboard confessional unplugged, like emulating wearing like western shirts and khaki pants with a like, converse you know yeah that was a good era if i can you really with some some pearl snap buttons i do i i think about it fondly um i mean you dressed like that up until a, f- a few years ago <laughs> no i didn't i remember i haven't had i haven't owned a western shirt since like gap made them in 2005 i feel like i have some photos of you wearing western shirts it's impossible unless we knew each other in 2005. All right, maybe I can just tell plaid you shirts. the the last, oh plaid shirts for sure. I had a <laughs> I had a big plaid shirt resurgence up until a few years ago when I uh, I went into uh, Everlane. That's a okay. store. Yeah, Everlane. Yeah, and realized that like no current fashion has patterns at all. Yeah, more. I mean, I I've avoided like patterns for a while. I'm, a, there. I'm yeah. a big I'm a big fan of a uh, of of basics, you know, right. basics so and, and unbranded stuff. And I've really picked. I've like really leaned into the idea of buying like nice things that'll last, you know. Mm. So, but yeah. Uh, I mean, how how emo would you describe yourself? 
very and i and i don't say that as any kind of brag um but i you know i was listening to this list that we're gonna talk about yeah the real reason we're here not not because there's there's um like a seven year span of that Mm -hmm. that is like visceral memories when i hear those songs oh yeah 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 pivotal moments of my life like captured because somebody wrote a song you know what i mean and it was marketed to me yeah i feel like uh uh, since it's an episode of just you and i and we're trying to make some of these a little more frequent trying to nail you down on a time is is, is tough but hey chaos (laughs) mr mr i have a family and a and a job ugh terrible and one of those things i do sometimes <laughs> oh my God, uh, which one i'm either a deadbeat dad or like a terrible employee so <laughs> why not both yeah, the, no you can't you can't be bad at both yeah uh any any grievances to air that's happened in the last week or so from for you grievances? it's a good platform to air our grievances against things that we maybe personal slights that have happened to us in the world. I mean, I are we going? Are we going against each other, or is this just no, no, no? I was gonna, I was gonna bring <laughs> okay. up the fact that a bar charged me four dollars for a diet coke the other day, and my like oh, world yeah, that spiraled is, honestly, a little bit. Usually, usually when you when you bring these things to my attention, I'm only like tangentially think about it and then move uh-huh. on. This okay. one, I like <laughs> was in two different bars and asked asked them how much their sodas were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in an Irish pub, and I looked at it. I got a burger, which itself was $18. Uh, Fuck off. And then I got a I got a grilled cheese the other day. Like a... Like a it was like, oh, a, like cheese, a standard grilled cheese. It was like a cheesesteak grilled cheese. Okay. So it had it had a meat. $11. It had a protein on it. It was $18. Get no, fucked. No, sorry. It was $17. I'm sorry. 17. Get Fucked. Where are you going? That for was at lunch? a diner. That was a Morton Steakhouse. That was a diner. That was at Chit Chat Diner in West Orange. Oh yeah, you told me. And uh, but yeah, Irish Pub, four dollars for a Diet Coke. It was more than some of the beers on the menu hmm. for a Diet Coke. Listeners, write in and tell <laughs> tell us what you yeah. expect to be paying for a Diet Coke. Um, I, I don't know. It's egregious. You, I did. Uh, I did abuse my company card this week. I was very get. Is that something you should be say saying on I record? For. I know. You know what? I don't care. Nobody, nobody listens. <laughs> nobody for my work, at least. Anyway, I uh, I was real hungry, and I like I was craving the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want I didn't want my normal slop. I wanted something a little elevated, and so uh-huh. you know I'm I'm really not supposed to buy lunch for myself right only but if on I take like a, a business client, meeting yeah yeah if i take a client out or come out with somebody else like you know one of my one of my colleagues you know we can put it on the card and so what i did was called my coworker and i said hey um we had lunch together today and he said whatever you say <laughs> and so i went and i got two full meals i was gonna lunch. say that's how you gotta do it you gotta that's your excuse to buy two meals two full meals it was it was insane felt good though and like they were different enough that it didn't it felt like it was almost like an appetizer in a main course yeah and then i had to make up an excuse why i wasn't hungry at dinner but that's really you know so we live interesting lives um 
you you mentioned that's on a, the on the episode we recorded earlier though you're you're under a fast food embargo at the moment or or yeah what what's yeah, going on I with just, that? you know i overdid it I, uh, i'm sure anybody who has listened to more than five episodes can tell you that i i'm prone to overdoing it i overdid it and i you're just don't a, want it you're a gourmet although i'm you're now a... that i'm thinking about it this morning i was very hungover. my wife insisted we stop and get uh mcdonald's breakfast sandwiches so i guess a i'm wife. a liar but <laughs> uh, uh um, so that, that that's not why we're here today so yeah. uh I guess it was about last week or so. Uh, website The Ringer had their emo week, mm-hmm. which included a number of articles about emo at large. Uh, you know, some oral histories, some uh, kind of comparative articles of of Mike and Romance versus Fallout Boy in in weird ways. Uh, but included in that is what we're here to talk about today. The most important emo song of every year, and it's a list going from 1985 to 2022. Hmm. And uh, it, I wanted to talk about it with you because I think it's an interesting list. And I think it's got some hits, and I think it's got some misses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some funny illustrations at the top of, of some emo heavy hitters, which is very funny because it know- has a picture of Jim Atkins with a unibrow. <laughs> It does. Jim Adkins with a unibrow. Um, Mike Kinsella with like the deadest eyes. Yeah, Mike Kinsella looking like looks he's got like, a couple extra chromosomes. It looks like uh, Gee is uh, is climaxing. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got his. Is that, his... And is that that's Fat Gerard Way? I think it's Fat Gerard Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Is that supposed to be Ian Mackay in the bottom? Yeah, the other two I can't tell. Definitely, definitely could be Ian McKay. I don't know. I think we're missing something. But uh, I guess the first question for 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 you is: How do you define an emo song? I, you know, this whole thing—that's what this whole thing made me think. Or I guess, like, like, what what is real emo con- considered to you? <sighs> All right, so my emo is guitar-based, recorded very well, not pop-punk-based or affiliated. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, 95 to like 2000, maybe. I forget who 2000 that's a, that's was. That's a pretty small but. window. It's bad. And that's yeah. why, like, I judge everything up against those records. Yeah. See... Uh, I'm a little different. I, real emo to me only consists of the DC emotional hardcore scene in the late '90s screamo oh, scene. God. What is known by like Midwest emo is nothing but alternative rock with a questionable real emo influence. When people try to argue bands like My Chemical Romance are not real emo, while saying like Sunny Day Real Estate is, I can't help but cringe uh, because they're just fake emo as My Chemical Romance plus the pretentiousness. Real emo sounds energetic, powerful somewhat hateful fake emo is weak self-pity failed attempt to you know direct energy and emotion into music some examples of like real emo i think are page 99 rights of spring cap and jazz which is the only real emo band from the midwest scene loma prieta some examples of like fake emo are like american football my chemical romance mineral emo belongs to hardcore not to indie pop punk alt rock or any of the other mainstream genres yeah that's what i'm always saying 
Yeah, I've heard you say that before. Is that a Reddit <laughs> post verbatim. or something? It's like a copy pasta from like the real emo Reddit. I think I was on a real emo like Facebook group. Oh, the, yeah, the real emo Facebook page was a nightmare. <laughs> it was it was the worst place I've ever been. I think I left weeks in. Yeah, it was it was a nightmare. But that that blurb popped up regularly. Uh, um, I, had, I had a viral post in that group once because I have that the Discover credit card that has like the picture of the mixtape on it. Oh yeah, and I wrote real, real emo, emo on it, on it mm-hmm. and I posted it, and everyone lost their mind. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I wrote trap classics on mine. Nice. Uh, I I had Ace of Base on mine for a while, and then someone told me that I wasn't allowed to like Ace of Base. Oh yeah, because they're Aryan. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Um, no, no, I thought it was. Pr- I thought it was pretty well proven, right? Uh, the, the the bass player apparently played bass in some like white supremacist band at some point, but he was like a guy they pulled in off the street because they needed a bass player for the session. Man, I had a dollar for every time I snagged a white supremacist <laughs> off the street. To fill They're in really the only bass players that exist, if you think about it. I... Name name a bass player who isn't a white supremacist. Rob Wilcox. Oh, don't give me that look. We both know Rob Wilcox is no. Anyway, um, Rob Wilcox is the is the kindest soul, sort of. <laughs> I can't. We can't make fun of him. He's not here. Yeah, I, you know, um, I didn't say. Dan, it. how old were you in 1985? <laughs> Negative two. <laughs> so this this list starts when I'm four and you're not born yet. So it makes sense that like some of this early stuff, like I've of course I've gone back and listened to Rights of Spring and Brace and stuff. Yeah. But like I don't I don't care as much as I should. Yeah. So so before we get back into that, I think uh, a fun a fun thing to start would be where what record on this list is the first record you bought like when it came out. Hold please. Um Probably, let's see, 94 was Sunny Day. Cap and Jazz, no. Texas, uh, yeah, the Texas record. Friend of the, the first, it is the first one of these that I purchased. Okay. Like, within the that? month it came out. 90... 96. Six. Well, okay. Yeah, so I was 15. So that, Okay. And I bought it based on the cover alone, and the fact that it was on Revelation. Yeah, yeah. So I was, like, sort of shocked when I listened to it, but... So... But then I bought every every record, you know, when it came out mm-hmm. up until up until two thousand two. Okay. So you didn't buy Taking Back Sunday? No. Alright, so that's funny. That's my first record that I bought on the Get list. So, so we're in and out at the same time. <laughs> that's great though. Yeah, I I Remember, I bought this album on kind of a whim, and mm-hmm. I, was, I felt super cool because I was the only one who like knew or cared about Taking Back Sunday when they first came out, mm-hmm. uh, at, at, in the world. It's I got an, an award. No, I literally was in Best Buy as one uh-huh. was in two thousand two, and cool. I saw this record. It was on Victory Records, so right off the bat, I was like, okay, and it had a for fans of on the cover of Thursday. And Dashboard Confessional. 
And they, those were the two bands that they used to pitch this record. Interesting. And I was like, I love Wait, both those Thursday, things. Thursday, Full Collapse was out before this record? I think so. I think Full Collapse was two to 2000. No. I think it was. 2000 or 2001, for sure. I, I, I gotta line this time up. <laughs> um... We're both furiously Googling. Yeah. Uh, 2001. April 2001. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Sure. So, I was like, okay. And I remember, like, buying it and then, like, immediately going to, like, Boy Scout camp or something. And mm-hmm. I remember telling people, like, specifically about this record. And I remember telling a kid who was older than me and from Long Island. He's like, oh, yeah. I used to see them at the VFW. <laughs> Very funny. Um... I think my highlight, at least the, like going back and, and remembering these records or these songs, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the biggest one to me is the Dashboard Confessional record. Okay. Which I heard was not interested in. Interesting. Um, then someone gave me a copy that I lost. Classic. And then uh, someone left a copy in my car, picked it back up, and then I ordered something from some mail order and got a free copy and was like, fine, I'll give in. And like, you know, obviously, <laughs> so it, like, it, it really like fell into your lap on multiple occasions. Much I to felt your like, it was, like I honestly felt like it was being forced on me. But like, <laughs> I just didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. And then I, when I got it, I got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely was into it. And then I think the, I like burnt out the unplugged DVD. Right. Like the CD and the DVD, just listened to it so much. Uh, and it, I, yeah, a lot of the stuff like yeah, I, just, I came in on the nose on Take Back Sunday. I think I bought it, like, literally, actually the day, like, release day. Uh, and then proceeded to kind of, like, obviously I knew who Jimmy Eat World was, but I don't think I bought that CD immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think... I bought it and threw it out the window. Wait, really? I'm so disappointed. Yeah, it's a That's bad record. wild. I mean, coming from, like, you, list, you love, like, Static Prevails, it's a huge yes. difference. From that, do you I, still it, do you still hate that? Yeah, record? I still hate that record. Still really? hate that record. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Even uh, even the and, authority and, song and with you, the with the with the gals authority, from authority song is the biggest problem on the, one of the biggest problems on that record. You just you just it's hate just, women. I can't. You don't like the dance hall I crashers. Oh, I definitely like the dance hall crashers. Honey, I'm homely. That's a great record. Yeah, but that, um, those are the the people singing backups on that song. That's fine. Doesn't mean that it's a good song. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, you're... just not for me. Yeah. Um, I there's a lot of to me there's a lot of sins on that record that just don't make sense in like the greater sphere of their career. Yeah, I suppose. The, green, the, the next history. record didn't sound like this. The next record wasn't wasn't futures? the one after this. Futures. Yeah. yeah. Futures yeah. was futures. It is the one that would have made sense right after. It, are you saying? Are you saying Bleed American is is their plans? It's the transitionary. I record? would say that. I would say that absolutely. <laughs> and then and then futures was the more honed honed division. 
Futures was just it was better songs. It was God. you know I think they were it made more sense for. I don't know how to describe my my true hatred for Bleed American. That's a wildly unpopular opinion. Oh, I know. I've been facing this my whole life. It's just it's <laughs> not. Um, they feel like like uh like parody songs. Yeah. They feel like they feel like somebody listened to uh to um man, I'm blanking on every album name because I'm sitting here looking at album names. <laughs> something to write home about. Oh, okay. It's like somebody listened to something to write home about and was like, okay, let's change barely anything and just make the lyrics worse. <laughs> and like let's make the and let's make the, the song sound worse. Like there's the the songs sound like there's no soul to them. Yeah, I don't know if I agree. Um, I don't know. I think I think we need to get back to the beginning of this list and start cutting okay. through. This is so my rambling's getting us nowhere. I mean, it's um, it's fine. Uh, Rights of Spring, uh, In 1985, Rights of Spring. I have gone back and listened to Rights of Spring and. Sure. It's 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 good. It's decent. It's just not sure. for me. I think is the not best way to me. put it. Yep. Uh, and then like the backup song is uh, the backup album is uh, "Words Come Back" by the Hated. I've never yeah. heard of the Hated personally. The Hated's great. Okay. Um, it was uh, Jonathan Littleton from okay. Ida's band before Ida. Interesting. Uh, I am a huge Ida fan, and um went back and listened to the hated like it more okay so it's like a little more aggressive but yeah but like i'd agree that right to spring get the crown like i understand sure. why they're important you know yeah. uh next one dag nasty uh, you said you love you're love a dag nasty fan record. oh okay. yeah yeah oh, can yeah. i say what was that oh yeah oh god That's... i thought that was a sound clip um <laughs> Yeah, this Dag Nasty record's great. This Dag Nasty record I like because um, I think Ari from Lifetime used to talk about this record all the time. Which and that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and it was, you know, it was a it was a different take on hardcore that I had never heard before. Um, as I'm sure nobody in 1986 had ever heard before. Yeah, but it's sort of here's what's fucking wild right i think about the fact that this record existed in the same universe as appetite for destruction when it was new yeah oh yeah they sound like they're in on different universes and i just don't think that music sounds that different anymore uh, is that crazy i mean i think that just might say we're out of touch you know what i okay. mean okay I think I, everything I has been like aerosol, aerosolized so much that it's like the differences between things are less clear cut, you know. Right. Um, but I mean, there's stuff on this list that existed at the same time that are even in the same realm of emo that they they reference in here later on. That's just like it's crazy that we had to pick from these records, you know. Right. So uh, it, it, it's not unheard of, but for this time, for sure. I mean, the most I know about Dag Nasty is like Googling what Travis Barker's tattoo meant, like back in the day, right. you know? Um, uh, did you care about Embrace? 
not really. I tried to because I'm like, oh, it's the weird bend between you know Minor Threat and Fugazi, and I know people mm-hmm. who ride or die for Embrace. Yeah. But again, it's it's kind of same same thing. It's good, but it's not for me. Not something I seek out mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, you seem like you'd be an Embrace fan. It's fine. Um, it uh, you know, I I don't actively listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. Embrace comes on 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 you know mix algorithm mixes sometimes. Uh-huh. I like it when I hear it. You know, I don't I don't skip it, but it's just something I not anything i go i go after yeah what about um, ignition uh, i never I really honestly got had into never heard of this band until <laughs> i saw this list um and it wasn't for me there was a, there's a weird i those f- like flange or those phaser drums at the mm. very beginning i was yeah. like i can't I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not i'm not interested sorry and i don't know who fire party is either so um, the alternative yeah I don't, i'm not familiar there 88 is just a box for me. <laughs> Everybody knows Fugazi. Yeah. 89. Um, where this, is, this? this would be off 13 songs, right? Right. Yeah, not, not a big... I'm not a big Fugazi fan. Get out of here. I appreciate them. It just, again, it doesn't... I like Repeater. Honestly, my favorite piece of Fugazi material is the live video of them playing Shut the Door from Instrument. Right. And I love... Uh, I'm so tired. So maybe Instrument is my favorite Fugazi record. Sure. <laughs> the, just the DVD. Um, but that version of Shut the Door that they do live is unfucking real Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is 13 songs. It's not my go-to Fugazi record. Um... My go-to Fugazi record is Killtaker. Okay. Or sort of Red Red Medicine is the first one I I, I bought. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And then... You kind the of argument, worked backwards. Yeah, The Argument is a great record also. All right. Sam, I am kind of getting a little more into the <laughs> pop-punk realm, I feel. Yeah, uh, Sam, I am is a band that I actively don't like also. Okay. It's, yeah, just, it's not for me. I don't get it. No opinion. Uh, you know, the fact that and the runner-up is fuel, is fuel is very funny. Oh, God, <laughs> I, I had to like triple read that. It blew my mind. Um, all right, Jehu, uh, great. Yeah, drive uh, with Jehu. It's funny is, that it's just, funny that in this uh, in the article that the listicle that accompanied the uh, the playlist. They make a college rock reference at the beginning, and I feel like Drive Like Jehu is always my benchmark for like what is college radio. Yeah, I I mean this this lands me a big capital letters Angular Guitars uh, oh, exclamation. Yeah. Uh, this this may be one of the originators. And then Jawbox uh, is the um, runner up, which which makes sense as well. Yeah, I like this record. Sure. Uh, Friend of the pod, neighbor of the pod, uh, wherever he is. Jay Robbins. Jay Robbins. <laughs> Um, then in 92, we get in the Jawbreaker. I don't know if I would consider this era of Jawbreaker. I guess it falls more into the emo core realm than yeah, yeah, but emo. Emotive hardcore. Yeah, it's just his, uh, the lyrics are so, uh, like, you know, what I would think of as emo. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I mean... I also have a Chesterfield King tattoo. Do you really? I do. I have I have a tattoo that uh 
uh, is a is a uh, jawbreaker and Jets to Brazil tattoo in one. Okay, go on. Uh, which is wild because both of those records are on this, this list. list. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it is a so there's a line. Oh no, that record's on. I'm sorry, that's forgetting loneliness. There's a line on. I, I maybe it's Psalm where he sings, "Oh horse pants, tobacco chest." <laughs> okay. And uh, my friend Pat, who is my tattoo artist, uh, was like, "Did he just say he was tattooing me?" And he was like, "Did he just say what I think he just said?" And I was like, "I don't even know what I think he just said." So we <laughs> listen back to it ten times. Oh horse pants, tobacco chest. I don't know what it means. But so what we did was we we took a guy I, he can't see this I'll send you a picture but we we took a guy wearing like the back half of like a two person horse costume okay uh and wearing like a sandwich board with the Chesterfield King logo on it okay that was horse pants tobacco chest wow my it had two esoteric like what it's it's pretty esoteric thanks. It's a, that's He's some uh, lonely stoner frees his mind at night kind of thinking right there. Is it really? Oh, I didn't think <laughs> it was that out of the realm. Uh, uh, we also did an ink and dagger tattoo that was how, also a Simpsons tattoo. How many? How many band reference tattoos do you have? Too many. Like not as many as you'd think, but too many for sure. All right. Um, I have two, and they've backfired. So <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think any of mine have back like i don't think i have any canceled bands on me now now i'm like doing a mental count now i don't think so 93 indian summer uh another band i feel like i should be into and, and never got into if i can be honest it's it's great the discography is great but like there's better uh, like I feel like it gets swept over by a lot of other stuff. Okay. So like picking this record is sort of the deep cut of it. God, it you makes know? you it makes you uh it gives you some some cred. Right. That you're not like, just liking any I, old I may have picked run of the mill still then. life over this. Okay. Um but that's it's the same idea. Um you know, songs with samples in the beginnings. Yeah. Yep. The runner up was Moss Icon, which I feel like is the other deep cut. Like, I don't like Right to Spring. I'm into Moss Icon, kind of. Yeah, and I always forget, like, that Moss Icon was this late. I thought Moss Icon was 80s. Same. Same. Um, all right, so Sunny Day Real Estate, 94 is where I come in. Sort yeah. of. Like, big, big game changer on this one, for sure. Like, and it's a total vibe shift from everything else before it. Everything yeah. else before it was, like, was like hardcore influenced. And I, and I feel like this is the first one that's... Like, I I don't even know what influences like alternative rock, like college radio. Yeah, yeah, like almost like, but like cleaner. It kind of falls almost into like the grunge, like clean grunge right. style music. Post, yeah, that makes it's post, sense. Grunge. post grunge. Yeah, where uh, Di- uh, Diary was a great record. I I uh, where Sunny D Real Estate in- from? Uh, if I say Seattle, I'll sound like a dickhead if I'm wrong. I think it is Seattle. Is so it? yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah, Sub Pop put this out too. 
So yeah. yeah, I guess it makes sense that it's like kind of influenced more from the the Seattle grunge kind of Seattle. sound. Yeah. Apparently. Damn. Okay. Mm, uh, you know. Also, uh, who's the bass player? Goldsmith Mendel. Sure. Uh, which is it? Hold on. I get. I'm so bad. I'm so burnt today. <laughs> after after talking about uh what we talked about. Um. Yeah, Nate Mendel, who then played in uh, Foo Fighters. Uh that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, so it's crazy to me that just a year apart, Sunday Day Real Estate to Diary, Cap and Jazz came out with uh, Schmap and Schmaz. Because mm-hmm. again, I feel like what is what the fuck is Cap and Jazz's influences? Yeah, I don't like like they came out of like nowhere. Midwestern punk, like Husker do, but make it fuck you know like I, acid jazz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, tro like truly, truly wild. Uh, and I, yeah, I guess I think in the article they kind of reference that like, oh, this is kind of like what made people like remember that they could have fun making music again. You know, like it doesn't right. have to be. It's like very tongue in cheek. It's very doesn't take itself seriously. And yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But same uh, same year, uh, Lifetime was the was the runner up for this, um, and probably more important for you than you know. But Cap and Jazz, I think, would be considered more important to the genre at whole. Yeah, I mean, Lifetime was more relevant to me for sure. It's like a style that I identify with more. Um, yeah. I, and, you know, I listened to, like, the first disc of of the of the discography the other day, and, like, the songs are, uh, like, unbelievable. Like, yeah. I don't know oh, how, yeah. I don't know how people in, in, in 1995 wrote songs like this. Like I, like, I don't know how they write songs like that today. We discussed. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed that on an upcoming pod. Well, this isn't like noodly. It's just uh, you know who who gave punks guitars that were open tuned. Like I <laughs> I want to know it, like is this where that came in? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also this lifetime record, unbelievable. Uh, also the first time I I found about the Luxmiths was because they ripped off that that cover for this. Oh. Um, and then. Man, it really sort of doesn't get better than Texas. The reason, like, sort of makes sense. It's like kind of midway through the whole list, too. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another like those three years. Like mm-hmm. the differences between Sunny Day Real Estate to Cap and Jazz to Texas is the reason is, mm-hmm. and then even yeah is wild. And then I mean every year. It's kind of like a new chapter opens for a whole new list of bands to be influenced by. Mm. You know? And, I mean, the Sexist of the Reason record is, is great. I think I joked uh, about the song Johnny on the Spot that they chose as, like, the most important song. Um, kind of sounds like a Coheed and Cambria riff in the beginning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or the Coheed and Cambria riff sounds like this. Well, that but... yeah, that's more or less what I mean. But it's um... it's just funny that that's... You know, you wouldn't expect it. But not the song, not the song I would have picked. Which one would you have picked? Um, well, I feel like the back obvious the answer is Back Into the Left. Yeah. 
but that's not it for me. Um, like I, I think it would be maybe Jack with one eye. Yeah, I. Uh, so we don't, we don't yeah. actually need to keep this a secret. We recorded with Norman Brannon earlier today for yeah. a podcast that'll come out soon, and we we actually didn't talk about Texas as the reason almost at all. Barely. <laughs> Which I, you is kind of sick. He, I don't know. He said he said he didn't want to. I was glad that you know what I mean. Yeah, I feel, I feel like we covered a lot of ground that we wouldn't have if we were. I feel to like we could Texas. talk for hours. He was such a oh, such a joy. So a little little 100%. teaser for what's coming up soon. Um, uh, but such a fun fucking episode. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, do you think Texas is the reason belongs on here as opposed to the boys' life record that was the runner up? I mean, departures and landfalls again is. A record. I bought it at a distro, not knowing what it was. Yeah, but it's like the most emo cover ever. Oh yeah. It's like, it's, have you seen the cover? It's like it's just it's very minimalist, right? Yeah. Well, it's like it's like a letterbox, really wide shot of like green towers. Yeah, like, yeah. This is where emo came from, everybody. Um, I love that record. The only thing that I don't like about that Boys Life record, it just doesn't sound very good. Oh, I think yeah. a lot of I think a lot of the cool stuff about that band was lost in the recording style. But, you know, it was of the time, of the era, if you will. Um, oof. I mean, this, this is a 97 landmark record for me personally. Promise Ring. Uh, the song they chose as most important is Red and Blue Jeans, which I think I agree with. Sure. I mean, you could have put anything from the second half. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect record, personally. Hundred percent. It it it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Perfect. One of my favorite album covers. Yeah, easily. God, it's so good. <sighs> I so this is obviously something I came across later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had bought. It was funny to think about it because I remember I found like an original pressing cd of this record mm-hmm. which is such a funny mm-hmm. thing to think in 2022 you know uh but so, i remember what what made it the original pressing because i feel like one version one of the original pressing had the white cd tray yeah and I, after that it was clear yeah and i forget how i knew at the time but i remember it being like slight there was some difference to it that was like mm-hmm. oh this is like the og one and I remember that I was dating a girl at the time whose brother was like a guitar virtuoso. Like mm. he Sounds was just terrible. an unreal jazz guitarist who then I gave him this promise ring record. Mm-hmm. I gave him my original pressing CD for Christmas or his birthday one year. Cause I thought he'd like appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And that like sent him on this emo journey that like took him through, like he was in an emo band and, he was just like this insane guitar player doing like, uh, I think, I think he is, his band was called Americans Abroad, which is such a good name for a band. It's a good one, yeah. Um, I think it's also an emo reference. I forget what band had a song with that title, but um, against me, was it against me that had that? It was Americans Abroad. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, came out on the on the live record. Interesting. Not yeah, I guess not yeah, the most. It I came thought, out on the live good, record. Such a good name. But I think it was on. New Wave 2. 
maybe I'm wrong. I'm okay. not going to fact check it because it's not important. Yeah, right but now, uh, but yeah, it was cool that he really got into it and then started mm-hmm. making really weird music after that. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and um, then- there's something, you know, this was the first time. So again, like who gave punks uh, open tune guitars? Mm-hmm. But also, this is the first record where I, I remember... I mean, uh, the first record besides like a Sunny Day real estate record where I, yeah. I remember noticing how good the bass and drums were. Mm. Like this it's... record would would be like sort of whatever if it wasn't for how good and how energetic yes. the rhythm is. It really is. And I think it's it's like infectious. It's, it's unique. So... It's unique in that way. And it's mixed right. in a way that's very, very well done to, to kind of push that. But yeah, it like right I mean, fucking is this thing on right out of the gate? Yeah. Is just zero to one hundred immediately. So and it doesn't stop, you know? It's it's really, really good. And I also I think, okay. you know, nothing feels good. It was the you know, the title of uh the Chuck Klosterman book? No, no. no uh, that's Sex and Cocoa Puffs. Greenwald. Uh, Greenwald. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, I think a lot of a lot of what, like how I, like not how I dress maybe, but a lot of like this era right here mm-hmm. was like where i like sort of held on to that for the rest of my life yeah you, know you heard I mean? this and you started wearing red and blue jeans you started wearing mm-hmm. white and night things mm-hmm. white and night things sure <laughs> um the runner-up is is Raina maria which i think is tough because uh i it it's yeah i think it's a it's a awful thing that uh look now look again is not on this list mm. like yeah you gotta be fucking kidding me but but i remember um when um when this record came out i remember uh like giggly running down south street like singing tinfoil top of my lungs with my friends <laughs> you know what i mean i'm yeah. 16 i'm having the time of my life weren't we all <sighs> You were not 16 in 1997. <laughs> no, what was I doing in 1997? Uh, I was in elementary school. Not definitely not, not listening around South Street, uh, smoking cigarettes and. No, that came later. Vegan. Uh, Jets to Brazil, as noted, you're you're a fan. I never Huge quite fan. Never but quite I wasn't for at me. first. Okay. I wasn't at first because I didn't get it. Oh, okay. It took uh, my senior year of high school. Cool. Oh, I guess. But no, I guess it was the year after this came out. What what month did this come out? That I don't. Um, because that that makes a difference in my head right now. Uh... Yeah, it's. I mean, as as the thousands of people who listen to our very first episode know, um, mm. I'm a I'm a dear you fan. That's my Blake Schwarzenbach preferred output um right so i was a senior in high school when this record came out um i was dating the the person that i had been dating when she was a senior the year before so she was in college okay and i had flown out to see her and jets to brazil uh did she go to college in the pacific northwest 
No, in oh. the southeast. Uh, sorry, southwest. Oh, in the desert. Um, but I saw uh, Promise Ring, Jimmy World, and Jets of Brazil. Shit. at a show, and it was unbelievable. And I bought this record. The we were, took a minivan, our friend's minivan, there. The minivan overheated on the way back to Tucson. Amazing. And I remember laying on the roof of the of the van like nothingness around me and like this record cranked it's okay. such like a core memory it's the yeah. most emo thing i've ever done <laughs> is that like be away from light pollution listening to this just like like it was so loud that it was vibrating me okay. underneath the speakers were vibrating you're me. getting all excited what a, what a great time so, uh, but I hated it when it first came out, and that experience changed. What What's your thing? Uh, what are, What are your thoughts on Sarge? I love Sarge. Do you? Yes. I I feel uh, like I came across Sarge like in a weird. I forget how it came up. I, I must have found it on some list tunes. somewhere else. What was that? I bought. I bought it. I bought this record in in the used list in Ed Tunes. Really, I feel like we talked about yeah. it. Yeah, I have the glass intact, like saved in my in my uh, like Spotify, and I know like beguiling. I remember hearing it from some on some playlist somewhere, and I go, like, oh, "This shit rips." <laughs> yeah. So, but it's weird because because they were. Uh, I I actually don't know. I'm trying to think about like what the cover of. Uh, of glass uh the glass intact because i think that oh was it's just like a blue pattern is it yeah mm. it's just like a blue and light blue oh S yeah that was the one with the sure, weird sure, sure the weird font yeah that's a bad this is bad art Sarge. yeah it's not good art uh this they don't have a bad. lot of good art actually uh you actually no what do the other records look like distant is kind of cool yeah charcoal is bad that's yeah. um that's like a like a Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Distant. That's a great cover. Yeah, very emo cover. Very so, emo cover. Nineteen ninety nine. Things get really interesting <laughs> uh, because like everything came out in nineteen ninety nine, and they're yeah. all they're all landmark records. Um, so they chose obviously most important song in nineteen ninety nine for emo is "Never Meant" by American Football. No fucking surprise. It is kind of the, I guess, I mean, it's the high flying flag of the genre at large, for better yeah, or but worse. Not here's why I have a problem with it. Okay, it wasn't at the time. No, no, not at all. But and in that's hindsight, what bothers me. Like maybe... I heard, I heard this record, but I think this record, like, I mean, it's no, like. Yeah, you know, the band got super big after they broke up. Like everyone knows, but oh, they got super big. Like not even right after they broke up, though. It took like fifteen yeah. years, which is crazy because it was like people needed to find this record and then like use it as an influence to give it like a frame of understanding for people to go back. Like I, when I you... think that kind of lends itself to like what kind of record it is, though, and how important sure. it is because it existed without context and didn't make sense yeah well that's partially true did you listen to the song exploder about um the boy with the tambourine 
Is it the boy with the tambourine? Whatever it was off that EP. The, uh, oh, uh, I forget what the titles were. The 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 one with the Wurlitzer. <laughs> right. But did you listen to the song Exploder about that song? Is it recent or is it from a while ago? It's from a while ago. Yeah. Okay. I think I probably listened so, to it then. So it was it was a it was a live episode. Oh. And okay. they're talking. You know, he's talking to Mike about you know the the stuff. And when they when they ask him about like the influence, he was just like, you know, we were trying to do our best rip off of the sea and cake. Yeah. It's, and it's always wild to me to see like what the you know when uh, we can talk tell the, what the next episode is you know when that when we talked to Joe Reinhardt in yeah. you know what will be the next episode coming up and he said that this is what they were trying to do it's sort of like it seems like it's a style that like ebbs and flows like yeah. right now we're we're not in a technical era of the genre or no. at least not that I'm aware of. At least not and like I a feel guitar like, sense. Yeah, exactly. And like ten years from now, we'll be back to noodling again. Yeah, I think I think a lot of things came into play for this because it became kind of like a thing, and then it became a meme. And I think it's when it became a meme that really kind of pushed it into like beyond the smaller subset of like emo listeners. I remember right. I turned a lot of people onto this record. Like I was on tour, and I mean, again, this is like. 2010 or like 2011 i was on tour with like major league and we were i think like sleeping in someone's like spare room in their apartment that they weren't living in at the time it was like really weird and we like couldn't flush the toilet Mm -hmm. but i remember we were like just like trading songs like just play everyone got like a slot on a playlist and we just kept going in circles and i put one of these songs on here and it like changed the guitarist's like perspective Mm. in the band like it was one of those things like holy shit like can you send me this album right now like and i feel like it just comes to uh, catching people at the right time or like people having the proper context to put this in Mm. uh i mean this is the song i put on to test new audio equipment if that makes like no, this is, oh, sure. Yeah. This is what I use because I, I know I feel like, like we mentioned this before. Probably in an episode, like somebody had put a system, like a nice audio system in my car. And it was the first time I noticed like how heavy those kick drum hits are. And, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like wild. But that's uh, so um, funny enough, actually. Emo had some heavy fucking kick drum that people don't realize. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest proponents of that is Dashboard Confessional. If you, I remember watching, I think it might have been like a behind the scenes or maybe an enhanced CD, if I really mm-hmm. want to date myself, of them recording like a Mark Emission, a brand, a scar, or it might have even been like, uh, what's, what's the one with the tree on it that came out after that? The dashboard confessional record? Yeah. Like the sunset, under know. the sunset. Look, I don't know. I, I got to tell you that I check out after like drums dashboard okay like the only dashboard i mean i know actually not that long ago i want to say it was over the winter i went through like a dashboard phase um he's got a good a solid discography yeah but uh but the drummer records with like a sub kick on the front Mm. of the kick drum like it's it's wild like bass drum head extensions 
it's, it's just it's when, wild when you when you look at every other record that came out in 1999 well, it's just like so that's how the do thing. you pick one that's the thing 99 is insane because that's the year clarity came clarity. out something to write home about through being cool look yeah, now look again now look again. chaos yep. is me emergency I'm looking, and I, I think i'm looking at the same thing as you are. we were but looking like, at the list that we're going through but unreal in terms of like year this came out and when did Do- domestic is not on this list did no. this come out did that come out in 99 or 2000 because um. that i feel like is like an omission but again like now that like 2000 2000 yeah but like so as this list goes on like now things are like really layered in terms of uh when stuff's coming out so uh yeah the runner-up was action in action by the get-up kids i think i can agree with that as well not the song i would have picked though me i I don't know but action action is like the single off that record sure but so I feel like I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel is like the yeah, the but that also lane. came out on like EPs the before. Comp. Yeah, yeah. So, um, dashboard, your boy. <laughs> yeah, my boy. Uh, Swiss Army Romance, I think is a is a perfect record. It's uh, good. It's it. You know, it's it it it's a little long, or it feels a little long. For, I actually for just love. I love the the deep cuts on that record i think the deep cuts on that record are my favorite dashboard songs like i love like age six racer um a plain morning like Mm -hmm. those songs i think are some of my favorite like like just being out on tour and like the idea of like missing tv night like with your significant other i think is such like a like it hits so hard you know uh and and the record that came out uh, afterwards that really blew them up, I think, is is pretty good. But Swiss Army Romance, actually, I think my favorite dashboard output is the So Impossible EP. That song, that that like few songs, I think, is perfect. Uh, and So Impossible as a song, I was just like, oh shit, that that's me. I'm the I'm the guy with brown eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, you are so impossible. Because it's got for you to notice, so impossible, remember to breathe, and hands down. Like, ridiculous. What are you, are you listening to it right now? Yeah, I didn't know what version of hands down was on here. Are there drums on this? That's a good question. I don't remember. No. no. <laughs> Alright, so I'm in. <laughs> um, you don't like when the drums kick in? No, I just I'm just not into the drums. So, I'm, I gotta I say, think, I think I like. I think if he would have gone a different direction with like, I it's just not. It's just well, not for me. It's not. So, it, I what what the drums, what his backing band brings out of his songs is my least favorite part of it. If that makes sense. Interesting. Like I, I think if he, I think if he underplayed the rock, um. And then I'm not saying like I'm not saying go full uh, red house painters or anything, mm-hmm. but like I think if you skewed more that direction, it would not have he would not have uh, the career he's had for sure. Like, True, good for uh, yeah. him. Like don't I mean, listen to me; I'll ruin your fucking band. Uh, but are you familiar with with the the unplugged he did? I mean, I've seen it. I I know it starts off with him being like they don't let nobody's on here or something. 
No, no. He he says that uh he said that the fact he's doing dashboard unplugged is a bit redundant. <laughs> yeah. But it is cool cuz he does come out and do I think he does Swiss Army Romance by himself. And then he does another song where literally the drummer comes out and just like taps the bell on the ride and then like runs back backstage. Wow. And then they do Remember to Breathe as like the third song because the band kicks in halfway through. And it, it is like a really good moment when like everything kind of br- the whole room like breathes. It's wild. Yeah. Um, but what makes that so good is they mic'd the crowd because they truly understood that like the audience at the Dashboard Confessional shows is kind of part of the band. And they kind of really latched on to that idea, and the audience singing the words back to him is, like, probably the most important part of, of his Unplugged session. Um, look, I... I understand what you're saying, and, like, I agree with you. Um, I just think that's a really dangerous place to be as as an artist <laughs> why do you say that because would you say it's like the place they've come to fear the most <laughs> no i i think he hasn't come to fear it the most i think and this is just comes from things that i've heard from people who have songs that are tender and get the lyrics yelled back at them while people grip their chest in delight um <laughs> is it like that's a double-edged sword there's a there's like a level of like ownership that comes along with that. Like this becomes ours and not necessarily like your art. Does that I make mean, sense? Some some would say that is art the sec the second you open it to any anyone other than yourself. And once you release art into the world, it's free to be interpreted interpreted in any way by anyone. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um but there's a level of like singing along that becomes like unfun or like distracting from the performance does that make sense like have you ever been to a show where people were clapping along where it oh, didn't and like no one knows how like to actually clap on because nobody <laughs> right and like it's 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 distracting like i get it as like a performance tactic but you know, to to watch someone p- play or like, you know, I guess it's not create art in front of you. It's well, uh, perform art. In I front think. Of you, but I think because I mean, I've seen Dashboard a few times. Uh, I mean, I've seen Dashboard in like an arena, and it's less that intimate feeling, obviously, right. for obvious reasons. But like, you know, obviously the crowd isn't mic'd and. You can hear people singing, but it's not like like it is on the Unplugged. I mean, I think the Unplugged, it really brings that idea of being at an intimate show and makes that part of the performance. And I think that's right. unique in terms of perspective. Uh, but yeah, I understand how it can be a detriment in some cases. I'm just a grumpy Gus. That's all <laughs> it comes down to. I don't, I don't like people having fun. You want pure silence. You only want the um, artist who you're paid to see to, to, to perform. I get it. You know, and sometimes not even that. Like, um, so the runner up is like sonically the opposite, which yeah, is absolutely Orchid, like Orchid from Dance Tonight Revolution Tomorrow, which great record. Uh, I, yeah, well, it wasn't my Orchid record before, it is now. Oh, interesting. 
I was I, always a chaos is me guy. Yeah, yeah, the classic. I I understand why orchid is important, as opposed to like I said, I I would probably choose domestica as a runner up. Yeah, uh, yeah. but that's because it's important to me. Sure, you know what I mean. Um, but I could see why, like, because yeah, that orchid record projected that string of music into a whole different realm. You know. Um. There's a shock here for me, okay. which is um, that up to this point, there's no, I mean, there's no uh, Pedro the Lion on this on this list. Oh, I mean, um, I feel like pe- people would consider Pedro Ryan like down the middle indie rock sometimes. No, get fucking out of here. Uh there's no more emo of an album title than <laughs> it's hard to find a friend, Daniel. I mean, nothing like, feels good. Is what was what was up there? No, you're right. You're right. What was 98? <laughs> why, why, why couldn't this get, why didn't that get 98? Oh, Jets to Brazil and Sarge. Yeah, right. Like fucking. I would um, choose most things over Sarge. Tell me, no, I, not most things, but like uh, Sarge seems like kind of a, like I like let's see if anybody knows who this is, Joe. <laughs> That's so mean. I don't mean that, Elizabeth Ellsmore. I'm just saying <laughs> you and I both know that you're you don't belong on this list. <laughs> um moving on. One of the worst records I've ever fucking heard in my fucking life. Jimmy Eat World, Bleed American. We've already covered this. Do you have anything else to say? Um The Middle isn't my favorite song on this record. I think maybe uh Praise Chorus might be one of my preferred or even sweetness. is that the is that the what's wrong baby uh no uh praise chorus is the one that goes into crimson and clover in the end oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so listen uh, you're gonna you're gonna disagree with me as you probably do about everything i say about this record but this listen like you've never listened to me before sweetness is a bad song actually i was gonna say sweetness fucking rips because the drumming it's, on it is insane it's fine once no, i like the, the i saw someone do sure and the vibe is good but it's not a song it's two parts played in succession I, over I mean, and over and over again the i watched some for some reason something like a drum cover came up in the algorithm of the song and the drums on sweetness are it makes a song for me for sure, I, pr- I prefer the ukulele cover myself. But, <laughs> you would. Um, uh, I remember the the middle music video though being wild because it was just a bunch yeah, of kids in their underwear like one. making out. Yeah, it's a um, um, oh, also it bothered me. It bothered me that uh, like he could never rip that solo live. <laughs> that solo is shredding, and I, like I, I've I've watched so many videos of them playing where they don't do it. Um, also, it's kind of cool to think that, like, Davey Von Bolin was on the radio through, like, not a promise record song. <laughs> I, I really enjoy, I mean, this record went so far, and they, uh, you know, they funded the whole thing themselves, like, they own their mm-hmm. record outright, so they, it, you know, probably paid for them to continue their career forever, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're the middle. They'll uh, 
they'll be fine like in perpetuity because of the middle yeah and but like uh they list it here i mean i posted it on our uh like in the stories of the podcast page a while back but like the prince cover of the middle that came out Mm. uh like taylor swift covered it like the Mm -hmm. fact that this permeated into like the mainstream Mm -hmm. is pretty insane you know uh and then uh the runner-up was saves the day uh what was the record that's at your funerals on what was it called stay what you are stay what you are yeah uh i i i had already checked out by this point really saves the day okay i think it's it's not my i i think saves the day has some good stuff throughout but it's it's here and there i uh i check out my record uh, after the acoustic seven inch which one the acoustic seven inch uh is the what's is that the one with the butterfly on the cover the one with the butterfly on the end. yeah that is a good fucking seven inch uh yeah. i think like take our cars now might be one of my favorite saves the day um, songs i think my favorite save the day song is uh i mean you vandal is up there the for way sure, but... the way his the way his collar falls Ooh, that, that song when he sings the way he writes in purple pen yeah oh, come on that's the <laughs> most emo <laughs> shit yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's next? Uh, yeah, here's your boy. Taking back Taking Sunday. Back Keep, uh, Sunday. Yeah. Oh my god, this record, uh, pretty fucking wild. I mean, this record rips. Um, Cutie at the E. I don't think is my song off this record. I think my favorite is Great Romances of the Twentieth Century, which I think was actually the lead single off that record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also had Flava Flav in the video for You're So Last Summer, like way before the flavor flav uh resurgence mm. but this i've record, never listened to this whole record really it's a good yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a perfect record but it's pretty fucking close it doesn't have many I, skips um, the only the only taking back sunday that i like is the stuff with uh uh fred we could probably get fred on the pod <laughs> I'm the friends color with, himself. I I have pictures with him from Warp Tour like 2004. <laughs> um, um, and I'm wearing a brand new shirt in the picture. It's very funny. <laughs> can't really see that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't really care about Taking Back Sunday until Fred was in the band. Um, like I understand the significance. I thought that like, you know, a lot of my friends, this was their era of like being in in bands. Yeah. So I saw Taking Back Sunday a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, from you know, the early November and stuff. Um I it's just not I don't know. Not for me. Uh and and, and neither is the runner up. Uh, uh used Taste of Ink. Yeah. Is uh, this off that record we did? No, no, it's the the self titled one previous. Um and it's so here like you box are. of sharp object. Here you are, Thursday signals over the air. This Ooh. has Daniel Bassini written all over it. Maybe one of my least favorite Thursday songs, at least off of uh, War All the Time. Um, but this record fucking ripped. Uh, signals over the air was like it did have some radio play. It it did kind of scrape the K rocks of uh of the time, and the the one hundred four fives and whatnot. Um. I, I forget why they write and say it's so important, but yeah, it 
it was kind of of that era, yeah, of like Story of the Year, Yellow Card, the Ataris, Fall Out Boy, From Autumn of the Ashes, Funeral for Friends, Silverstein. Like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in this in this in this realm at the time. Um, but yeah, uh, was oh yeah, they they explained that a lot of uh, bands made their artiste albums in 2003, mm-hmm. and they reference. Uh, what do they reference here? Oh, Artists in the Ambulance by Thrice, Sing the Sorrow by FI, great records. The Louse in the Comatorium um, by. Who's that fucking band? Post- Malto. Mars Volta. Uh, yeah. Mars Volta. Uh, Deja Antandu by our. our That's a great friend. record. I don't care. Cancel no, me. I, that I, record's I so good. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Calling a calling the Mars Volta an emo band. Seems no, I like I wouldn't. But it was a like very silly thing to say. Yeah. Um, and you like this Coheed album too, right? Oh, the runner-up to Coheed. I don't like the yeah, Coheed yeah. record. I was never a big Coheed fan. I appreciate what they do, but I, I'm similar to Mars Volta. It's more prog rock kind of than it is emo. You know what I mean? Like mm. I would not put a favor house atlantic as it's an emo song at all that's the yeah the good eye sniper i i could never get past his voice it's catchy it it works for that song but i i don't think i can listen to a full record of it but coheed fans are die hard fans they're all fucking dorks dorks and nerds but uh speak Speaking of dorks and nerds, 2004. Yeah, I was gonna go my Cameron. <laughs> um. Yeah, my Chemical Romance, Helena. Again, I understand what's important. This record blew the doors off you, of and everything. And, and I had like largely not cared about new records that yeah. were coming out in the genre when I heard this, and uh, and their videos were so good. This was the era yeah. of like sitting around with pizzas and like watching like on-demand videos yes yeah watching like, watching like the weird entertainment section of the of like optimum online's video right shit and so this video is great the like second video for i'm not okay is great that was that was the, the, the video, first single helena was the second right. single yeah but yeah i remember that video where they're like like dorks since in high school or whatever mm-hmm. and so good they over under the mascot yeah so good uh this record the first five songs six songs are so good and then the end loses me um it's a little front but loaded it, it would have made it would have made a masterpiece of an ep put it did way. you um what's crazy to me though is the black parade is most people's my camera record and i don't it's think i've ever heard so, any so I've ne- bad i've never heard any songs other than the song the black parade it's so bad i was like, so I far just, checked out at that I, point i don't even understand like it just doesn't make sense to me I, yeah the whole um, like emo goth marching band thing not not for me at all this record i understood again that's what i that's what i say i see i loved the first my chem record I had a guitar teacher in high school 
who like taught me the song uh the this mirror isn't big enough for the both of us mm-hmm. and that's how i got and she like burnt me a copy of the first because i think she literally knew people in the band at the time like uh because she was in a band and so i came into it knowing like because that that stuff's like really weird kind of goth punk stuff but like again like stuff people weren't doing at the time like it was very i mean it's very ink and dagger right. it was probably ink and dagger was probably the closest uh influences which huh. makes a lot of sense but yeah then they pivoted into this stuff and then pivoted to so far gone after that but <laughs> like uh, but but, but I, they became an arena band oh yeah like you I mean, gotta go ape shit when you become an arena band right yeah, like yeah, yeah it makes people like you more well I, so, I think we've talked about it on the pod is you have to start making right. music for arenas yeah and um, that makes sense so i don't care about hawthorne heights this was a big record for for the for the heads out there uh it doesn't hold up at all but it was definitely that pivot of the most emo lyrics mixed with singing and screaming right that wasn't like of the from autumn to ashes ilk or like the atreyu ilk they played with all those bands but this was very different um i i listened to the record a lot uh a local band used to cover ohio's for lovers and it would blow the doors off the the vfw hall every time every time but listening to that in 2022 as a 34 year old man not holding up for sure um oh five uh fallout boy yeah not not my fallout boy record i do like from under the cork tree a lot this Um, is where i checked out on fallout boy right i was uh uh take this to your grave guy through and through record still is good it's wild um i this one came out and sugar going down i'm not a not a big fan i understand why it got as big as it did i remember what like when this came out i was running a myspace graphic design uh <laughs> like business i guess you'd say where i'd make people custom myspace backgrounds so fucking much but someone paid me five dollars to make them a a sugar we're going down like boxing glove bloody t-shirt design five Uh, five whole dollars yeah and uh i hope you invested it um, (laughs) yeah and uh in 2005 bitcoin yeah yeah back in bitcoin was like 0.006 i don't even think bitcoin existed in 2005 but yeah um you know, i i stay in till infinity on high i like that record a lot i can't name a single song off of anything that came after this record yeah, outside of like the hits good. hits um, um yeah i don't know yeah, so uh, panic at the disco is such a weird fucking band i like tried to like it because it's like goofy it's See, like the dresden dolls but like very theatrical worse. for sure i I listen to Panic at the Disco a lot, but almost never the actual album. There was mm-hmm. a bunch of demos that leaked, and the demos are way more electronic, mm-hmm. and I think sound so much better than the album versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the album itself, like, 
the songs that aren't on the demos are the ones I don't listen to, like, I, I hate the most. Like, hmm. um, what's the, yeah, the, the fucking one with the, the bridegroom is a whore, right. I chime in, like, that song sucks, it's so hard, I hate it so I much. I do like that song. It's so bad. But, I like, the song, like, Kamasato um, and, uh, like, some of the other stuff off that record is, is, is catchy. Um, oh, six, good friends. You gotta watch what you say. You know him, you love him. <laughs> oh, goodbye. Um, I, like, it, it, like, Hello Goodbye created an entire new, like, sent the, sent the, the genre in a completely different direction. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that American Apparel would be less successful <laughs> if Hello Goodbye wasn't a band. And I, I mean that in, you know, in a way that, like, Forrest, I, 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 I honestly, I can't say enough great things about Forrest Klein. He's, he's a, he's a dear friend and I, I, and I love him completely. Um, although not my Hello Goodbye record. Um, what was your Hello Goodbye record? Um, See, I'm blanking now. See, mine, mine was the EP. Oh uh, yeah, I love. Uh, no, would it would it kill you? Was my hell goodbye record. Interesting. Um, and I think all of his later stuff, you know, everything's debatable. Um, the nudist album, like I, all these records are great records. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever listened to anything beyond this record. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I love the EP and the demos of the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I loved the demos that came out when Forrest's uh, laptop got stolen recording this record. Was that real? Oh yeah, yeah. He like oh, lost yeah. everything, and the demos like the demo of Touchdown Turnaround sounds entirely different than the album version. Huh. Uh, I think I still have them somewhere. If you want to send them to Forrest, and he'll, he'll probably dredge up a lot of bad memories. Uh, but um, I got. I just listened to the demos for so because it took him another year and a half to like re-record everything, hmm. and uh, those were the songs I knew because I was listening to them as demos. I can tell you, I've seen, I've seen, um, I've seen Forrest play this song hundreds of times. Yeah, in my lifetime, and what it does to people is unbelievable. Really. Oh yeah, I like, think I've only watching... seen Hell Goodbye during this era once, maybe, and I think it was when they played with Reggie in the Full Effect at the Electric Factory. Like you, you can't, like no one is sad in the crowd when when okay. they're playing this song. Like That's everybody's fair. having the best time of their life. What a good fucking band! Yeah, uh, I, uh, Q's what we aim for. I have never fucking listened to in my this, life. This is a lot of where I check out on emo. Uh, in the sense of like this era of accuse what we aim for all time low that kind of stuff checked yeah. out no not um, for me okay uh paramore i like this song this song's good there's some songs off this record that are okay not one of my records uh, I, I probably listened to it more playing Guitar Hero or Rock Band uh, or whatever uh, it was more uh, than sure, on the album I forgot about that um, um this is when slut shaming was okay, <laughs> especially if a girl was singing it. You know. Oh right, right, right. Uh, um, the runner-up, "Check Yes Juliet" by We the Kings. Another one that made it onto the radio a lot. It's a catchy ass song. I could not tell you another thing We the Kings ever did ever. 
Uh, and now we're back um, into our realm, 2008. I was gonna say, and and now I now come we're back. back. This is the you know this is this is where things start to make sense to me again. The emo um, revival. We're now we're now into the emo's fourth wave. Uh, a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. It's a great record. I Fantastic did listen record. to it. Did you? recently? Okay, finally. I've now I've now listened to more than just that first seven inch. Um. It's great. It's yeah. a it's a it's a style of music that you know created an entire industry for the next you know six or seven years after this. At you least, know? yeah. Um, yeah. and really was never and just just like American football was not nearly as popular until way after they broke up. Yep. yep. Um, though they were uh, pretty fucking popular when I saw them, but yeah, I think I think the episode coming up with Joe, I think he mentioned Joe. Like they never actually played a real venue except like three times. Wait, is there any intuit over it on this list? No. No, I don't <gasps> think so. What a terrible oversight, Evan. Um the runner up uh Tiger's Draw. Like this Tiger's Draw record's so good. It's, every Tiger's Draw record's good. Like every, yeah, they really like, do have a perfect output. Ben, if you hear this, uh, like I sorta like after charmer i don't know that i like bought the records anymore still listen to them <laughs> but like i that's still um, you made it through pretty far you know but two worlds is two worlds is great is is a perfect record it's it's like a risky second record after this but right it's great um i think plane versus tank for submarine it should be the song of the most important but yeah I, that song was everywhere. Yeah, but I saw what I saw. Water is uh, a water. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, Touche. No band. I didn't band. I didn't get into. Touche. I listened to this first record a lot. Uh, Honestly, is a, a ripper of a song. Mm-hmm. I fell off on the later Touche More records, mm-hmm. and then get back into them with Lament, uh, the most recent one, which fucking rules. I just uh, didn't like this style of like d- well, it was, the vocal delivery and like, yeah, it was it back into like the screamo realm. Um, but these, this was part of the wave. Remember the 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 wave collective of pianos, defeater, make to amend. Mm. I was a lot of dispute was part of that too. I think yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just like this whole other world of emotional hardcore was coming back. You know. But uh, uh, this this record I remember was being a big big fucking deal at the time, and then the runner up, friend of the pod, uh, Keith, my friend and yours, friend to everybody except for Ed Rose. Yep, yep. Uh, Empire, Empire. Keep what you've built here is maybe one of my favorite songs of all time. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's in the it's in one. my list of favorite songs. Yeah. Um, I've I've never heard of Brave Little Abacus. I. Yeah, 2010 is Brave Little Abacus. Uh, I had heard of them. They were big on, like... Do you ever follow any of those, like, blog spots that would post, like, Mediafire links of, like, bands to check out? Like, Sophie's Floorboard is still active, I think. And Mm -hmm. I remember getting, like, finding a Brave Little Abacus record, like, this record on there. Mm. Not... It's not bad, but it's not for me. Or I might just be, like, too old to kind of pick it up now. Makes sense. Um, But... At the time, I was listening to stuff like the runner-up, which is you know, "So I Shotgun to Beer and Went Back to Bed" by Snowing, 
You know, mm-hmm. I was deep into the emo revival realm at that point. Right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get into snowing at the time. I got in way later. And, oh, you missed it. And the I mean, they're, they're still around. They're still playing. They're back again. Really? Mm-hmm. I think they're playing a show like this weekend somewhere in PA. Isn't that... Is, are they part Pet Sim? Am I th- no. thinking of the wrong band? I think you're thinking of the wrong band. Huh, it's actually the day we're recording it's john gom's birthday happy belated oh, birthday happy, john gom happy birthday who won't hear this um <laughs> uh joyce manor this is a great record fantastic uh, record like it i didn't like it at the time i, I loved it when love it came out i was i was very on tumblr at the time so this mm-hmm. slotted directly into my sensibilities right uh this record turned i think the genre on its ear again uh, very much that like scrappy leather jacket punk kind of kind of stuff. I mean, they literally have a song about leather jacket, you know. But it's like making fun of people who take themselves too seriously while also like taking yourself too seriously, right? You know, there, there was something. There was something. I think the reason I skipped it the first time was there was something about Joyce Manor that reminded me of like, uh, like the second coming of the Strokes or something. Like it was something that I yeah. it, it never clicked with me. It was never, you know, it was never the lifestyle, like visual lifestyle choices yeah. that I made. But uh this yeah, this record's great. Yeah. Uh, La Dispute. I've never listened to it. So the first well, the the record before this record, this is off La Dispute's Wildlife, I think. Mm-hmm. The record before that um was my La Dispute record. I listened to it a ton in college. I saw them play to like 25 people in an Amherst, Massachusetts basement. Uh, and then it, almost exactly a year later, sell out the Barbary, which was wild. Um, this song specifically is like six and a half minutes long. And it's like just storytelling, describing a guy who accidentally shot a kid and is like holding up in a holding himself up in a hotel room, like thinking about committing suicide. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, kind of climaxes with the repeated line of will i still get into heaven if i kill myself uh that also kind of became a meme for a while um but this record as a whole is exhausting it's it's really well done but it's a a taxing listen uh because they're all like these deeply depressing stories of like other people's stories that like this had been told to the singer Mm. um one of the other ones was about him working at like a hardware store and he goes to help a customer like hang a door in his house, and he says like, "Oh yeah, I need to like replace this door because my son has schizophrenia and like stabbed me twenty seven times or something because he thought I was someone else." <laughs> and it's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> well, it's that's wild. fucking dark. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily slot it in emo. Uh, um. Hop along. I don't think hop along's emo. I think it's a goofy thing to say. Uh, um, this, the first hop, this record, the first hop along record, um, was it Get Disowned? I think yeah. is that yeah. Um, I would say this would kind of slot into emo more so than the rest of their later output, because this mm-hmm. is still kind of in the realm of Francis Quinlan's, uh, like their first, like coming off of their solo stuff you know it's it's kind of a transition and uh tibetan pop stars honestly i think is also one of my favorite songs of all time 
I've debated, I've debated getting, it's, it's like too wordy to get as a tattoo, but it's become like kind of a mantra of the, how content are the ones with simple demands? Mm. Like so fucking good. So uh, good. this song is unreal. Laments off this album is really good. It, it's mm-hmm. a record that I had to sit with. Like this song clicked immediately, but the rest of the record is very weird and very mm-hmm. unorthodox in its musicianship. And, uh, it's not what you expect from like a kind of a pop record. But uh, yeah, Mark Hoppus famously called the song the most painfully beautiful song ever. And recorded by friend of the pod, hey. Joe Reinhardt. And, and Who's plays guitar. also a member. Yeah. Um, you love. like Basement? Here and there. I know people who like absolutely love Basement. Uh, mm-hmm. This record by Basement, I think it's Color Me and Kindness, is mm-hmm. great. Covet is a fucking good song. We um, had some really fun shows with Basement and really? like Such Gold, and that was really uh, fun. I love Such era. Gold. They're the homies. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, and then 2013, your actual homies. The actual homies in The World's Beautiful Place, I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. I would not choose getting sodas. Yeah, I don't think I that... Either. I mean, I understand its importance. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think what record... Oh, what song off this record I would choose instead. Uh, self harmlessness. No. Uh, I guess it would be off. Whenever, if ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, picture of a tree that doesn't look okay, or heartbeat in the brain. I might choose instead. But yeah, this song does kind of set the tone for the rest of their output in a in a in a certain way. Sure. Um, this record was interesting because it was also a transitionary record between Tom and Dave as lead singers. They kind of traded off duties and kind of passed the torch a little bit. Why? Um, but an important record all the same. I mean, they kind of brought back into like the maximalism of Am of I allowed? Emo. Am I allowed to slander them a little bit? Sure. You're allowed to have a, they, an opinion. They, um, I think for as many home runs that they hit, they had just as many, if not more, swings and misses. Uh, I don't know if I and agree. And it's not because I, I know them. I remember, I remember seeing them a few times. Uh, I couldn't tell you what year it was, but they had somebody doing spoken uh, word. See, people hold that against them. That it was like, was that was like a single tour they did that. corny, like... Like, first of all, you have the most insufferable person I've ever met doing the the spoken word. This is so mean. I almost feel bad saying this, but <laughs> well, like, so this this is kind of a thing. So directly antagonistic with the audience as like somebody who's not even a band member. Like, fuck you, man. Yeah. See, I I've been with them through a ton of iterations. Uh, I mean, I remember Tom literally as the singer of the band sat behind like alongside the drummer like not like the opposite of a front man you know right and they've kind of evolved in a lot of crazy ways mm-hmm. but um yeah it uh, that was like one record they did and i think it's hyper ambitious to kind of be on because that came out between this record and harmlessness and mm. it's pretty ambitious to be kind of like that far on top of your game and then do something totally out of left field yeah and then like they defended it but it's like yeah this is a project we did 
you don't like it we have other records you know yeah sure so, i get that and i and i get that like it doesn't matter what i think you know what i yeah, mean like yeah, yeah. I, well, I, always, a lot of people whenever, a lot of people use have, that record to kind of turn themselves off to everything else in their catalog and i think yeah. that's like a gross oversight um the foxing emo's bad boys like <laughs> it's it's so shocking to me that people call them an emo band an yeah emo band um i mean they're, i don't know they're, they're what you emo. Them, but... the first uh that first record is pretty pretty emo you know so yeah i, I think this is pretty emo Somebody, sorry, somebody was revving a weird motorcycle out front, and it also sounded like something was dying in my room. So nice. it was, uh, um, yeah, can't say enough good things about foxing. Um, now on to 2014, and this is a song that I would love to roast. Okay, for you, if I may. The hotel year, um, and an introduction to the album specifically as a song. Sounds like Disney wrote a musical about Fest. <laughs> it sounds like Fest. Oh, curtains. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could picture a Disney princess. It's, just, it's so, it's so theater kid. Um, I don't know why. I don't. You know, I. I think Christian I think you heard him say open the curtains and then you that's the only thing you can think of for the rest of the album. Yeah. Well no, because after that song it becomes like a great album. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is a bad song because it's not, but it's just like it's so theatrical that it's like, come on, what like <sighs> that's kind of like know, the whole point though. You do it just to do it. It made you feel something, so that counts. Yeah. I uh, also I prefer I prefer the band name The Hotel Year as yeah. opposed to The Hotelier. I think there was some issue with that. I don't know what, what happened. But I, this is a record that came out and, again, like changed the game at the time. Sure. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I think this is what you would consider like fifth wave, almost. I think this is like the next... This is still revival. <sighs> no, this is not revival. Yeah. This is still revival. I don't. I don't think so. But um, it. If this Evan's record still is still putting out actively putting out albums, it was still revival. <laughs> uh, it, it was one of those things where I remember the hotel year. Right. Someone reached out to me around the time I got off touring with dads. To, and I was like hyper broke because I was just touring with dads before their big album came out, <laughs> which is, you know, something that's recurs in my life is, you know, I'm, I'm always getting a little too early, but they're like, oh, we can't pay you, but do you want to tour manage the hotel year? And then like this album came out. I'm like, fuck, I would do anything to work with these guys. Right. Um, but yeah, this record I think is, is real. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's, it's pretty close. Uh, and it's, it's another one that's like quick, you know, it's just in and out. Sure. It, it feels like an EP to me, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's like um, seven songs, I think, right? right. Seven or that's eight songs. Yeah. Um, Mobo, do you care? I do. Sort of. I do. And I, I have to care because this record 
they thanked me in the in the liner notes. So this is uh, your era. This was your time to shine. Oh yeah, um, no, I did a lot of work with Modern Baseball. I I shot their AP recommends photo in Alternative Press. Very cool. It was also um, the night that a, a singer of a different pop punk band uh, threatened to beat me up over old he? beef. So I still got it, folks. Uh, turnover. This is a great record. I this is something I never listened to at the time, and maybe mm-hmm. listened to it for the first time this last fall. When, um, when turnover and citizen were like never mentioned apart from each other, yeah, like there was a period of time where it was like they may have well they may as well have been like the same band, yeah. um, and it was kind of like the you know singer doing this, um, well, it, it was like the second coming of Lifetime, but like yeah. not punk, yeah, yeah. So turnover. I remember seeing as a pop punk band with a frontman. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember on the on that tour with uh, Major League, we whole shit ton of shit happened that I had to book our way back home because our tour mate van broke down. We got stuck in Florida, and it was a whole big fucking thing. But That's I booked our like weird shows back up the East Coast, and one of them was at. I think Roanoke, Virginia, at the mm. the Jewish Mother, I think it was called, and it was mm-hmm. like Crucial Dudes and Turnover, and like what Turnover, like show. full pop punk mode, first record, what a fun show. And then yeah, then they he got became like the guitarist and grew a mustache and started wearing like a a cool shirt, and it became this band, right? Which I mean, obviously they're unbelievably more popular now than they were as a pop punk band sure. but uh this song specifically i i listen to it and i'm like i get it you know sure. it, it might not be for me completely but i do get it um the runner up though is a band i should have listened to but i've never listened to and it's mm-hmm. a little crazy that they're on the list but maybe that's because i just don't know them but uh nick harris of all dogs uh, it's someone I went to like middle and high school with. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, yeah. He was in a punk band called The Checkers with a uh, friend of the pod, Andy Clark. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but he was in All see, Dogs, and apparently they're huge. Apparently they have like a ton of, oh, ton of clout, and they're popular, and they play with a bunch of stuff, which is awesome. Good for them. Um, I will say, uh, and this is going to make me sound like. Uh, the oldest man alive, but this is sort of where I start to check out. Where I, this, like, this is this is the period of time, 2016. Like, I just sort of stopped paying attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this like, is where this is take take a I, year to get. I think everything like, on the list from here on out is stuff I listened to for the first time listening to this playlist. Yeah. So um we we may as well just end here because I I literally have nothing to say about any I, of the rest. I of have this some list. things to just say because I never. Okay. All right. Hit me. I I we said this was gonna be a short episode and it's an hour and forty five fucking minutes. Yep. Yep. Very fast and loose. <laughs> this that's is, for sure. This is neither. This is very fat. Uh, this is very loose, but uh, it lacks the other part. Um. So this is a a band from Singapore called Forests. Uh-huh. And I like that this song is very Midwest emo, but in the song they they say "fuck the songs from the Midwest," which I think is hilarious Rips. to like immediately disparage your influences. Uh, it's 
pretty punk rock, you know? Um, is, is the prince daddy and the hyena a joke? Uh, no, That's they're pretty, like pop they're pretty music, big, right? It's kind of poppy. Uh, I never got into it, but they were, I remember hearing a lot about them. Yeah. Uh, 2017 though. I know you're a big emo rap Lil Peep fan. It's so stupid. It's so I fucking dumb. I could not get into it uh, at all. It's I know a lot so of people who love dumb. that shit. Wait, did I mean, he die? Yeah. Okay. So I. All right. Out of respect, but I just don't. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense in this list. Like, yeah. were you a Wickaface Springs Eternal fan? I did like it. Wickaface. I, I mean, is I cool. do like it. I I loved. I saw Wickaface play a bunch of Philly basements. Yeah. Which was hilarious because it was like an antagonistic show because everyone hated it. Yeah. And Hates it. The fact um, that the fact that he left like at the time would have been Tiger's Jaws peak. I mean, yeah. they've gone even further since, but at the time, one of the biggest bands in the genre, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna quit and make weird witch house music. <laughs> Did you get into any of the other bands that were like I, I use the word band uh, loosely to wake a face, but like, did you ever listen to like Spooky Black or? Um, I do love that one Spooky Black song. Or Young Lean. Never gotten the Young Lean. I just love that so, one Spooky Black song where he's like in the woods with like the oh, the white do rag on. Yeah, <laughs> he's so either good. wearing a white do rag and black. It's or like a the black best song in all white. It's like the best song Drake's never written. You know, right? Well, I used to at, when I was working at at the cafe. Uh, perfect cafe music crank this record so good um i don't know uh yeah uh little peep i don't know what great grandpa is either yeah i don't i I don't know the runner up great grandpa so um 2018 camp cope the opener mm -hmm. this song has been stuck in my head since this playlist came out this song is so fucking good it is a really good song and it's really antagonistic and i love any song that's like angry about mm-hmm. something specific and mm-hmm. it's basically them like railing against you know club promoters who say that like a female fronted band can't you know fill a room or anything right uh, but i it, the australian accent too is so good so and good. I, I love the line when it's uh when it's uh something like it's another man uh telling we can't fill up a room it's another man telling us to book a smaller venue and the way they say venue with that Australian accent. I just love it's been like burned into my brain. I love it. Um I've never listened to Awake but Still in Bed. Awake I but Still like in the Bed. Name. Uh it's I think they're they're part of a different project as well. Uh mm-hmm. they were someone I think who went away and then came back. Uh I think it's it's people who are much younger than us who are, are latched onto it. I think mm-hmm. big on like Tumblr energy kind of stuff. Uh, Glass Beach 2019 record that got a lot of this is like firmly in the fifth wave uh, the fifth wave emo realm right I feel like I should like it because they're doing a lot of weird stuff yeah the song is way too long I, if I remember correctly way I think too this, long I think this might be the first chaotic. song on the record they uh, do touch on a lot of different things all at the same time um but it, it kind of comes out to be exhausting more right. than intriguing i do enjoy origami angel the runner-up yeah, for this like year it, uh, yeah former guest uh and special friend of mine matt ferraro loves this band told yeah. me about it it's good I they mean, they kind of go back into the realm of uh a little more noodly you know mm-hmm. a little more kind of like tiny moving parts-esque 
a little bit. Right. Uh, uh, your arms are my cocoon is also noodly. Is that correct? No, they're like hyper lo-fi and electronic. Right. And this hit me with a lot of, uh, a lot of nostalgia for the shit I used to listen to on MySpace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to love weird electronic projects where people spent all their money on a laptop and no money on a microphone. You know, like that <laughs> is essentially the aesthetic. Some of our some of our guests. <laughs> well, yeah, also true. Uh, but it reminded me of stuff like I used to listen to like your mouth is full of drop kicking astronauts mm. and like, you know, weird grind shit like, you know, uh oh my god, what were they called? Like I um we came with broken teeth. Mm-hmm. A lot of like MySpace era preschool tea party massacre. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, but it, it's kind of that. Yeah, it's it's cool glitchy electronics mixed with poorly recorded vocals, but in mm. a chaotic fun way. Um, I didn't listen to Stay Inside a lot, uh, but good. I know they're pretty decent. Yeah, Jane Remover Search Party. This was 2021. This kind of is in my wheelhouse uh the previous record sounds a lot closer to 100 gex in like the hyper pop realm but uh this album that search party is on is a little more emo influenced in terms of like kind of slower songs but still having that kind of chaotic electronic element mm-hmm. and i kind of enjoyed it there's a but There's all a, their records sound different, right? Like they kind of all sound a little different. Okay. But on this song, I think Ian Cohen on um, Twitter said that there's a certain glitch that comes up later in this song that he said is his favorite musical moment of 2021, mm. which is wild. Uh, um, Home is where also uh, the runner-up assisted Harikari I think should be the most important song of this year. Uh, very much the forefronts of pushing the relevance of fifth wave emo, right? Uh, and it also has the line, uh, "Cops are flammable if you want" or something like that. I think <laughs> this is the line, and it's really good. And then this anxious uh, 2022, finally the end of this list. This anxious record is so goddamn good. It is good. I think I put it on one of the early mixes we did for the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of being touted as like the next title fight. Or at least kind of filling the gap where the title fight left. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Because certain sure. stuff on this record is a little more poppy and certain stuff isn't. I get the... I kind of get the, the comparisons, though. And uh, it's worth a listen. It's it's a good, solid record. And I don't know um, Foxtails, the runner-up. I don't know Foxtails. I didn't, I didn't list. They, the runner-ups didn't make the list, uh, make the playlist. Yeah. Um, so shout-out to Ian Cohen and Ariel Gordon, who made the list. Um, I would make my own. Dan told me we're not allowed to because he doesn't have time. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe I'll drop my own playlist. Um, I mean, it's, it's just I don't, I don't have an easy way. Like, maybe stuff that came up in the last... 15 years i can like sort through via my what's left in my itunes folder oh, but true, searching true. stuff through lists on like spotify is a nightmare like yeah, without knowing like things off the top of my head and we barely could talk about the songs that were on a list in front of us so <laughs> i'm not <laughs> no, uh, it's true i'm not you know too too invested so 
Yeah. Uh, any anything? I mean, glaring omission. I think cursive for sure. There's no bright eyes yeah, on here no, as yeah, well. No cursive. No bright eyes. Saddle um, Creek horribly mis- misrepresented. 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 Um, I was surprised. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm sure it was a, a conscious decision not to put uh, brand new on this, but yeah, that feels like kind of a loss. The early November not being on this, yeah, um, yeah. was really weird too. Like. I feel like the early November is is the most emo. Like of all of all the bands, they were they almost used emo as like marketing for them. Yeah, In I mean the they best, all, You know what I mean? They Their were very much a fucking leaf. Day, but I think you know? also, do they fall under emo though, or do they fall under pop punk? Because like no, the starting really line emo. wasn't on this list. No, you know? the starting line's a pop punk band. Like early November is not a pop punk band. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Well, but, uh, we don't have to plug anything because uh, we already plugged <laughs> stuff today. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess we could forego plugs. Uh, but yeah, I guess if that's the case, then Andrew wants to go hang out with his wife like a dork. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I actually just want to go to bed. I, today's been such a long day. Uh, Dan, this is fun. Yeah. Um, I think next time we should take a shorter listicle. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I'm not going over. I'm not going over uh, over ten items next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this went longer, but it was fun. I hope people had yeah. fun. Yeah, certainly not fast, but definitely loose, for better or worse. Uh, well, and the only person awesome... who's still listening, the only yeah. person who's still listening at this point is uh, Stephen Ewan, and so thank you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Stephen? Uh, yeah, we got some awesome guests though coming up uh, in the next few weeks, so definitely keep an eye out. Uh, Till next time, bye bye. So Stay here.